Welcome back to another Work Human Radio. My name is Mike Wood. I hope you and your family and friends are all safe. Um, today, we're going to be revisiting the front lines of healthcare. Our CHRO, Steve Pemberton, is going to explore some stories of humanity and gratitude with uh, Megan Walsh, who is a nurse. So please listen to this episode with Steve and Megan. Hi, everybody. Steve Pemberton, the Chief Human Resources Officer at Work Human. And today, for our Keeping Work Human series, I'm joined by a special guest, Megan Walsh, who's been working in the healthcare industry as a physical therapist for nearly 18 years, based in Southwest Florida. Megan, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, that the question, how are you, uh, is going to mean something different now for a, a really long time uh, in light of everything that's been unfolding. Um, I, I, if I understand it correctly, you are the, the proud, loving, doting mother of four children, which I know keeps you very busy. How, what are the age ranges? So my youngest is six. Then I have an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 12-year-old. So kindergarten to middle school. Oh, yes. So yeah. when is your book coming out on parenting? Which... Oh, gosh. <laughs> I need to buy some on Amazon if they weren't backordered. <laughs> You know, I, I, I do remember, I'm sure you remember this too, when uh, you know, the first one arrives and all the advice you get on raising a child, you know, what to expect when you're expecting and all of that. Right. And it dawned on me that uh, after our first was born, we have three children, we're all now teenagers, uh, but it dawned on me after, you know, you read what to expect when you're expecting all the series of books. And then when they arrived, I realized this child has not read this book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know. They don't write books to how to parent in a pandemic anyway, so all out the window now. <laughs> you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Well, how, how has it been? Uh, I'm assuming that they're home. Uh, they are. Yeah, the schools are closed as the rest of the country. So they've been home. We went out for spring break and just never went back. Wow. So it's been a little surreal. Uh, mm -hmm. They're handling it way better than any of the adults are handling it. They've been really great about it. They haven't asked to go anywhere they understand you know that this is the same for everybody and i'm really proud of them the way that they've been handling it so far wow. but for us you know life hasn't really changed that much it's kind of surreal actually you know i'm getting up and going to work and you know it, it dawns on me every once in a while the whole rest of the world is shut down and it, it just it's sort of you know kind of paralyzing for a second when you think about it yes it's the movie that's become true yeah, know, in essence, um, and there, you know, there are books and movies about all of these things. And uh, I was remarking to my wife the other day uh, how accurate they were, the movies, right. because these are the same conversations that are happening uh, now. Uh, I know that your 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 husband uh, is uh, is a police officer, uh, and you know this is one of those professions that is on the front lines. Right. So how have, how has their day-to-day -day been affected by... Uh, so my husband is actually, he's a detective sergeant in youth services. So he was in charge of 14 schools and all the school resource officers in a pretty um, underprivileged district in our county. And um, so it's been a challenge because now, um, you know, the underserved are home. And they're the ones that are struggling with it the most because they were struggling with it before. So he's mm. been working overtime and all of the school resource officers have been deployed to the streets. So they're now all out on patrol. A lot of community outreach people are hurting. 
So they're just trying to keep people um, feeling safe in their homes, um, keep the kids in their homes, out of trouble. So he's been very busy. I give him a lot of credit. You hear you describe what your husband does and your experience in the healthcare industry. You're both, ironically, in professions where disparities are, get exacerbated, yeah. actually, in a time you know, like, like this, I have a lot of deep relationships in the world of youth services and um, have been talking with the, the heads of National Association of Social Workers and um, it, it's indescribable what, uh, what their experience in which he's on, on the front lines. But how, how, so I know how he's coping, you know, certainly professionally. Right. Uh, how's he dealing with things personally? So my husband's ex-military, and he has just learned through the years how to uh, keep it human, you know, keep seeing people on a human level and, you know, doing the best he can to give of himself as much as he can so that at the end of the day, he knows he did his best. You know, he can't fix all the world's problems, but you can fix what's in front of you. So, um, you know, he's, he's tired, and, but he's seeing this as an opportunity to serve the community and you know do what he can in an unthinkable time yeah I, it occurs to me uh, over the years i'm sure this happened to you being around a number of his friends uh who were in the service uh, with him as well that there's no such thing as ex-military like what no. <laughs> right what's well in that case it's 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 once you're Former military. It, forever uh yeah. Uh, on, a, on a lot of levels. Uh, but I, I know that you've also recently had uh, another uh, anniversary of sorts. Uh, so it's been three years uh, since you adopted your daughter from, uh, from, from China. Uh, how was how that experience? Uh, oh, a, it was a dream come true. I mean, honestly, as you know, simple as that sounds, it, I had met my husband uh, 20 years ago. I was studying in Ireland. And... Um, I told him the first week I met him, I'm adopting a daughter from China, thinking, you know, that scares you away, you're not the one for me. So, and, you know, he just kind of took on my dream and we had three biological children and everyone thought we would give it up. And, you know, that's a lot, three kids is a lot, but it just, I didn't feel fulfilled until we actually went through and adopted. And so, I mean, it was just another world. In, so three years ago, we boarded a plane for Beijing. And I mean, now that doesn't even seem in the realm of possibility that, you know, that could ever happen because everything has changed so significantly since then. But um, our daughter was in an orphanage in, in Henan, which is right north of Wuhan, where all this began. So mm -hmm. I feel very fortunate to have her here and not there. And although, you know, the children have fared really well in this, uh, I don't know that we would ever have the opportunity to get her home where she belongs here with us. So, you know, it's just, I thank God every day that we were able to do it. And she's thriving now. So, yeah. Yeah. It is amazing, isn't it? What hangs in the bounds of, you know, the, the decisions that we make, the time in which we make those decisions as well, because, uh, sometimes we think it's the big things and it's the small things because uh, I've no doubt you and your husband and, and you for whom this was a, a lifelong aspiration. But well, well, if I hadn't done this, um, mm -hmm. that's very likely where, you know, she, she would have been and not, you know, uh, with the Walsh family. That's extraordinary. 
I mean, and with me being a physical therapist, our daughter has spina bifida. So she's had two spinal cord surgeries, both, you know, were successful. She's walking and functional and, you know, all of these things that wouldn't be possible if she were still in China. And, you know, knowing what we know about how unstroller friendly it was, it's, it's not handicap friendly or, you know, ADA accessible in any way over there. So her life would be completely different without being here. Wow. Blessing. Megan, that is absolutely extraordinary. What, 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 what a blessing. Uh, (laughs) And I I am saying that from the perspective of someone who grew up in orphanages and foster homes. Oh, wow. Uh, I I know full well just how important you and your husband are Mm -hmm. uh, to her in in ways that she is, of course, way too young to articulate, uh, but will not be lost on her uh, as uh, she gets older and older. And as a result, a new new beginning, you know, unfolds as as a result. Yeah. (laughs) But this this seems to be in many ways a continuation of a a giving heart and a giving spirit uh, that was focused on healthcare. Uh, you know, sure. all of your career. What what brought you into the world of, of, of healthcare? So I, like any kid, didn't know what I wanted to do. Thought maybe advertising, thought maybe marketing. And my mom was in business growing up and she missed a lot of my childhood being, you know, in a nine to five environment. And she wanted different for me. So she sort of kind of shooed me in the direction of a more flexible career path that would be more self-directed and um, sort of nudged, would you say, me into (laughs) physical therapy. (laughs) And so um, luckily it's something that I've I've found to love. And, um, you know, it, it has provided me just that, an opportunity to be home with my kids, work, when I can. And, you know, so I was on the mommy track for a while and working part-time and home with the kids a lot. And so, you know, this was really my first opportunity with them all being in school to go full-time and, you know, really put my nose to the grindstone and, you know, really use the skills that I've garnered all these years. So, yeah. Do you, do you have any um, particularly memorable um, cases that uh, that you worked on that that came to you and there was a lot of challenge and difficulty and after working with you they merge over on the other side. Yeah, I mean, right now every single person is somebody I'll never forget. You know, so especially going through this all together because right now we've kind of segued from being medical professionals to being their family because you know the hospitals have shut out visitors. And you are with the nurses and the doctors, the only people that your patients see in a day. So I've had recently some experiences with my patients that, you know, I'll never forget because of how much they've relied on me to get through these hard times that they're going through. Mm -hmm. And it's really put, I feel the humanity back in healthcare where, you know, it's a business first and foremost, but it's a business of people. And for so many years, I've seen, you know, the executives sort of um, diminish the importance of the people, because without healthcare providers, you have no business. So it's nice to see that being appreciated in the day to day. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the outpouring, you know, for the first time, because really healthcare is a thankless job. (laughs) You know, it's a, it's, it's an entitlement. I think a lot of people feel 
And so now to see that it is actually a privilege, you know, people are starting to really appreciate the, the people that provide healthcare. I, I, I wonder if that thankless designation uh, is going to change. In fact, a little bit more than wonder. I, I suspect, as you rightly point out, um, that um, it will be uh, either a reminder or an awakening of just what unfolds behind the doors uh, of a hospital. Uh, oh, I agree. The past two years before this happened, I started to notice things changing where, you know, downsizing and less supplies and do more with less. And it just, it didn't feel sustainable. And now that this pandemic is upon us and we realize that we don't have the tools to do the job, we don't have the people to do the job because we didn't value them when they were needed and, you know, and prioritize them when they were needed. I think it is going to be an awakening. And I hope if nothing else good comes out of this, that we'll never go back to that place again where people aren't the center of healthcare. Mm-hmm. And, and the center of interactions in, in, in many ways uh, for my children, for your, for your children. You know, it, it's the, perhaps it is um, this kind of recentering that we've been talking about as part of the, the Work Human series. Uh, there's been one consistent theme uh, is that uh, while none of us have wanted at all the way that this has unfolded, um, there is this kind of forced, you know, recentering of of life all across the globe. Um, you know, whether it is sitting down for board games uh, with uh, with family or family dinners. Um, think about generations past, and I think it's true for for a lot of us. You know, the the, the older that we get. Uh, the more wise generations that came before, <laughs> right. how, how wise they were, you know, about how they emphasized family and community and country. And it was like the center of life to them. Right. And service was the center of, of life. It wasn't all perfect, of course. Uh, but uh, there was a, these more universal values, which I, I think, you know, was sobering uh, to see that slowly get erased in healthcare too, because I thought healthcare uh, was the last place, you know, because you wouldn't argue seemingly over the need to be healthy and well, but as you rightly point out, there's been disparities there too. So, um, yeah, that, but it's the relentless optimism that, that comes from knowing that we will, uh, that out of this will come a uh, deeper appreciation uh, for all parts of life and, and who's on the forefront of those things. Let's go back to the kids, uh, you know, for, for, for a moment. Um, how are they talking about this? I mean, I, I know you said earlier that they, you know, they're aware of course of need to stay home, and what have you. Uh, but particularly those who are a little bit uh, older, are they aware of these, some of the things that you and I are talking about in terms of being connected to one another and those kinds of things? So, I think part of the reason why they're doing better than a lot of the adults is they've been raised in the information age. They've been raised in the computer age where, you know, if you could hand a one-year-old an iPhone, they could open it and find their app. And, you know, so they're easily connected. They don't feel isolated. They can just, you know, pick up their tablets and call their friends and they've figured out how to get six of them in one little chat like this. And, you know, I think a lot of the older generation, you know, they've never had to deal with anything like this before. It it wasn't important to them. And so for, for kids, I think, um, 
you know, having that way to connect and, you know, they're all alone together. So, um, and they, they do ask hard questions and it is harder with the older ones because, you know, they, they understand a lot more. And, you know, my oldest daughter is asthmatic and she's 12. And so of course, you know, she hears the stories and she's scared. She has not left the house in a month and, you know, she's ridden in the car with me once with a mask on, you know, it, it's hard to see your kids with fear, like real genuine fear. And um, the younger ones seem a little oblivious, but I, you know, I'll take it because <laughs> they have their whole lives to worry. Let me, you know, keep them in the bubble a little longer. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and um, I, with, with my, with my three varying stages, you know, of, uh, of those guys of things, I've, I've um, uh, you know, my late teens, um, um, and uh, I, I was remarking to my wife the other day. I haven't had to break up a fight between the two of them in a in a long time until recently. It's just part of what we do. It, and and my uh, my list of um, projects taken on has grown extensively. So Great. <laughs> uh, all those all those things that uh, that we do. I I, I want to ask as well about. Um, you know, how you feel that we will emerge out of this. And I mean this specifically in the context of healthcare, you know, that erasing of the line that you described earlier. Do you think that this will, um, and, and, and specifically, do you feel that this will uh, bring back a lot of the resources that were slowly being taken away? I think that America will demand it. I, I think that, you know, that once you see what's possible once you see what's necessary that you can't accept anything less so you know i i don't think people realized how bad it had gotten until it was kind of pushed into the spotlight and you know i just myself uh, went back and got my doctorate i graduated in december um from fgcu and one of the articles i had to read was this is a hospital not disneyland and you know a lot of times we come to expect like a certain level of concierge and service and, you know, and in healthcare, it's been boiled down now to what you need as opposed to what you want. And we need the basics. We can't survive without the basics. And if they're not there, we can't adequately do our jobs and people will ultimately suffer for it. So I think people will not allow that to ever happen again, hopefully. Mm, absolutely. Well, lastly, what, what gives you hope? What are you, what are you grateful for? What, 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 oh, gosh. Well, first of all, I feel like I want to say thank you for asking me to do this because I feel like the least qualified person to give anyone advice. But, you know, I'm, a, I'm not a CEO or a best-selling author. Or, you know, I'm a PT in Southwest Florida. So thank you. Um, and what gives me hope is in, you know, being asked to do this, I said, yes, you know, I believe in the power of saying yes, because it opens up new opportunity, new dreams, new goals. And sometimes when we have this kind of opportunity to be home and, and, you know, kind of take a side road off our normal path, we can focus on what we've given up and what we've lost. But, um, you know, we can also say yes to things that we've gained, you know, things that we never really thought were possible. So, you know, taking time to take a new path maybe, or, you know, start new goals. Um, that is what's getting me through right now mm. because I, you know, 
I always look at things as happening for a reason. And, you know, seeing the reason behind a global pandemic is kind of a tough one, I think, for most people. So, um, and just, you know, when you focus on, yes, yes, I can help you. Yes, I can do this. Yes, in this moment, I'm present with you. Um, it kind of takes that question mark away. It kind of takes away the fear. And it does give you hope. Yeah. Well, most people would, would, would think that you and I have talked before, but we, we, we have not. And uh, back to the story of you adopting your daughter from China. And uh, I, was, I was never formally adopted, but when I was 16 years old, I was actually taken in by a high school teacher just a couple of days after Christmas Long Story. I did write a book about it, ironically. Um, and many years later, I asked him, he was a bachelor at the time, and he basically put his life on hold for a year and a half mm -hmm. to make sure that I got off to college. Uh, and um, uh, so many years later, somebody asked him, why'd you do that? You know, you, you basically stopped what you were doing for somebody that you really didn't know all that well. Uh, and he said exactly what you just said. He said that all of us have, over the course of our life, we have an opportunity to say yes. And I knew when I got that call a couple of days after Christmas, I knew this was my opportunity to say yes. And so I did. Yeah. Right? It, was, it was like really that. Uh, so I wanted to share that with you. And the other thing I want to share with you is that while I am not ordinarily in the business of disagreeing with my guests, I'm going to. Uh, because I think that one of the other outcomes of this is going to be that those of us who have thought for whatever reason that what we do may not be as valued as the CEO or the public figure. Um, I think we're learning um, that perhaps there's another truth here, that perhaps while there are those in those stations of high visibility and they're having their impact, some are not, some are, uh, but on the great pedestal that is heroism, perhaps we need to expand it to make sure that we include people like you and your husband, uh, not just because of what you've done in the world of uh, you know, service in the military and, and uh, as a police officer, but in the worlds of healthcare and uh, as adoptive parents. So uh, you're going to be the new definition of what it means to be a hero. Oh, thank you. That's great. Well, we're going to have you back. Uh, uh, oh. We'll find a way to have you back, Megan. Thank you so much for joining. It really was an honor. No, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Megan, it really was great chatting with you and hearing your perspective, both as a healthcare professional and as an adoptive mom and as the wife of a police officer. I think I speak for all our viewers when I say how much we appreciate all that you do and all that you are. Stay healthy, be well, and we'll talk to you soon.